One of my favorite lines from this conversation is repent of the idolatry of being a perfect parent. If you're a leader who's also a parent, this episode is going to be perfect for you, whether you have a kid who's wrestling with screen time or a college student, or maybe like me, you've got both. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for life and leadership in Christ. We want to walk alongside everyday Christian leaders as they do their very best to follow Jesus. My name is Tony. I'm your host, and I care deeply and passionately about helping your life be fully integrated, a life of integrity, Jesus and work and everything in between. Today on the episode, Stephen Arterburn. Stephen is a repeat offender. He was recently on the show. He's got two new books out, Understanding Your uh, Screen Time, Understanding Your Child in a Screen-Saturated World, and Understanding Your College Student. But really what you need to know about Stephen is that he's a counselor who leads counselors. He's got a radio call-in show. He's one of the voices of Christianity all over America. He's a leader's leader, and I know you're going to appreciate him. And if you do, do me a favor. Share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who you know is parenting someone who wrestles with screen time or is a college student. It's the best way that you can uh, honor Stephen's work. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And without any further ado, here's my conversation with Stephen Arterburn. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have a, a repeat offender, Stephen Arterburn, with us. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us back on the podcast. Well, it's great to be here. And uh, when I saw I was on with you, I was quite delighted. You're a great interviewer. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I, w- I want to kind of jump in with um, you know, the, the work that you're doing with New Life. It, it, it's so many moving parts and facets, and you're leading at such a large level. Uh, I think that there are a lot of people who are in a season of exhaustion from leading. Um, they're just, it feels like a lot all the time. And I'm kind of curious, how do you manage leading such a, a, a large movement of God's work in today's world? Well, um, I have to tell you, it's harder now than ever because we're transitioning to a whole new group of younger leaders. And I just hired her. She was my uh, head of women's events, and I just moved her into the president's role. And I've, um, I've never seen anybody that could lead like as well as her. And we're a ministry that has really done more for women or toward women, you could say, uh, than anything else. When I started Women of Faith, you know, that was a women's event that filled arenas with five million women and half million came to Christ. Uh, We have a, a partnership with Museum of the Bible called Lumina. It's for women. Uh, our Ramuda Ranch was a ranch, eating disorder ranch for women. And then about 60, 65% of listeners are women. So I love it that a female who is competent and confident, creative, all those things, is, is now running it and has been uh, for a while. And just getting to see her do well uh, makes it great. But still, there are other positions that have to be tended to and orientations done and things explained. And it's not an easy time, but it's a great time that we exist 35 years after we started. And the way that I can do 
this and other things is I have such, I have a lot of help, you know, I, mm. I'm not uh, doing the stuff in Dallas, Texas, where phones are answered and uh, payrolls are made and all those kinds of things. Um, I'm in here in Carmel, Indiana. I have an office, a studio, and um, I go there, I go to Dallas, then we have another office in California. But I have great people working for me because my dad taught me to not try to do everything on my own. If I did, I would do little things really well. <laughs> so I wanted to do some, I felt called to do some bigger things, not so well. I've never been a micromanager. How did you know when it was time to transition? I, I think that there's a whole generation of people who are trying to figure out what God's calling them to next and how do they hand it off and how do they do it well? What did you kind of learn about yourself and about the process um, as you kind of continue to build up that newer leadership team? Well, um, I knew that I needed to transition the organization before I transitioned. And so um, we've been working on this three or four years and less intensively even 10 years ago. So uh, the person that was my president, I knew he wanted to leave around this time year or so from now. He actually got a little sick um, and has had to leave earlier. But we were ready for that departure. And so um, I just knew that he was kind of the, um, the, the, ch- the change agent that we'd have to do it while he was still here and I was still here and that I was still going to be here long after. I suspect I'll still be here until about, I mean, I'm 70 now. I think probably 75, uh, I'll still be here. But uh, you just get a sense that um, we've, we have to do things differently, better, uh, and, and we've kind of played out our uh, creativity here, and we need to bring other people in and do it. And it's just worked out uh, great. She was the uh, vice president of growth at, uh, Stonecroft Ministries, which is a great Bible ministry to women. And so I'm I'm really happy about that. And uh, she and I, it's hard for some people to believe we work really well together. I think uh, two people who have the same vision and same mission in their heart, it's pretty easy to kind of humble themselves and move forward. Uh, I, I am curious. It's not every day that I get a, a press kit where there's two books from one author at the same time. And yeah. so the question is, are you a masochist or was this kind of God ordained <laughs> or both? <laughs> yeah. Well, we started doing understanding and loving books and, and we were doing understanding and loving a person with narcissistic personality disorder and things like that, bipolar, sex addiction. And they were really uh, well received. And so we decided to do some books for young people, understanding and loving your college student, understanding and loving your child in a screen saturated world, which might be MVP of the books that I've done. And so we needed a library of them sooner than later. So my co-authors, I'm doing two at a time and releasing two at a time. And like uh, the screen saturated world is uh, a book that I did with Alice Benton. And so she did most of the heavy lifting. But that book is a book every Christian parent, I wish they would read, because it tells them exactly the opposite of what they're doing 
would be really helpful in screen saturated problems in this society. And I hope we'll talk about that before it's over. And then understanding and loving your college student. If you want to know if this book is needed, you you should watch uh, the Dead Poet Society. Mm. And in there is the reason for this book, because uh, a parent that's trying to control their child still when they're in college, manipulate or a parent that is just totally backed off and isn't involved. None of those are good. But this is a, a great book on the spiritual growth and the health that a, parent's can, a parent can display to the child when they go to college and not fall into the temptation of over-control or uh, overly disappointed because expectations of yours haven't been met very well. Well, I'll be honest. Uh, when I saw the request come through um, my inbox, I looked at the titles and I have an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 17-year-old. And it was the fastest yes I've ever I've ever said in my life. So yeah. I, I'm excited to jump into all of it, and, and I'm going to kind of approach it from a personal level. So I, okay. I've got an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old, and they are deep. We are deep in the screen time battles, right, right. where we're constantly like um, wrestling between do we overschedule them uh, um, in terms of sports to help avoid kind of the – infiltration of the screen how much do we i mean obviously we monitor it pr- fairly closely you know and what are you telling parents who are just throwing their hands up like me and karen and going we don't know what to do to battle this yeah well here's the first thing i'll just uh, let the cat out of the bag whatever that means why you would do that or need to let a cat out of a bag i don't know but most christian parents uh, are making the mistake of what we did. And we were very conscientious and aware. Uh, so we went about the Christian parent duty of limiting screen time, limiting access, um, putting the filters on, all sorts of things like that. And we were the opposite of those liberal parents that think Internet's great, uh, values that are put across there, okay with me. We're the opposite of that. And then we started working on this book because we wanted to, to get it right. And we found this research by Dr. Samuels, and it, and it said it was bizarre. Uh, and you have to read on once it hits you that the limiting parent, which is the typical, the typical Christian parent, uh, that child will be more likely to do things uh, inappropriately on the Internet than the child that the parents really don't care. So you can see why why that would be. Uh, you limit everything, and that's all you do. Then you're kind of creating a force to go against that, and whenever they can, sneak and hide. The other people, it's not a force. They're able to do it. Okay, so um, here's what the research showed. You want to limit, absolutely, but you need to be engaged in screen time and social media. For instance... Have you ever searched the Internet for three apps that would help an 11-year-old in uh, studying or making better grades? Have you ever sat down uh, with your child and said, I found this game. I'm actually able to do it. I think it'd be fun if we played it together. Mm. So you're looking for uh, 
games that you can play with your kids. And, um, you know, my Dungeon and Dragons is a big deal for my son. So we set out to go join a group together. And uh, that was uncomfortable, but so valuable. Um, and if you started that as when your child was six years old, uh, look here, honey, look at this little thing. Let's view this together. And you were able to enjoy it as well as your child. Now you've made a place at the bar for yourself mm. and you're comfortable. So you can just see that that little piece of research, how valuable it would be for young parents to hear that and start thinking, hey, I can't just say, uh, okay, five minutes of screen time today and that's it. And then I don't have any idea what's on the screens in my house or what I need to do uh, to make them healthy. We did everything we could. And then um, Solomon was exposed to the dark web at a friend's house when right. we didn't think any eight-year-old uh, could do that. And we trusted these parents and we're pretty, well, my wife is very, very cautious, but that really was a traumatic experience. Um, he's a very sensitive guy and he watched a beheading and just all sorts of things hmm. that had an impact on his life. So being a limiter or thinking, well, we got the, the hatches battened down here. Um, you know, you might be perfect in all your uh, filters and safety plans, but all it takes is sitting on a school bus and a child saying, look at this. And then you're interested, you're hooked or whatever. And now off you go, you have been damaged by the internet. So it's complex. Anytime I hear somebody say this about anything, I, I just tell them to shut up if I can. And that's all you have to do. Yeah. There's no all you have to do in this world. Maybe there was back on the farm, uh, but not today. There's no all you have to do. You don't even finish the sentence because it, it's not going to be worth anything. I think there's probably a lot of parents listening right now who feel like, uh-oh, I've messed up, right? And we know that that's not a, um, a super helpful position to be in in terms of taking next steps. But let's right. say that there's a parent who's been limiting and is trying to do their best and also and now the child might be in their early teens or preteen years do we just transition to full on you know free access or what are the next steps in that process no, no because uh, the internet is wonderful and evil so you you don't want to let them loose uh, on it but you have to be letting them have more freedom the older they get because when they're in college i mean Unless you, I'm not even going to say, I was thinking of naming a university. Unless you're sending them to a really conservative place, they're probably going to be having a computer and, yeah. and phone and all of that. So you want to prepare them for that. And I just think, okay, so I've got an answer to your question. If I was a parent and all I did was to limit the kind of time and I wasn't engaged, I would get a cell phone. And I would download the app Game Pigeon. And what Game Pigeon is, it's an app that you can play with people from phone to phone. And they're silly little fun games like miniature golf or, you know, things like that, that you can sure. do on your cell phone. But, hey, it's you saying, I, I want to have some fun with you. 
and then you will have fun. That's a really fun little uh, connecting tool for your kids. And then they get used to that. Now, our phones, my kids' phones, we read every text that goes out. You'd think, well, they wouldn't send anything bad or inappropriate. Well, they forget that we're going to read <laughs> every text. And um, they say to us that if you continue to do this, we will grow up with no uh, privacy. And our response to that is, yeah, exactly. Because, see, your brain isn't fully formed. And we're going to help you uh, keep it as uh, safe and healthy as possible without, you know, damaging it to the extent we can, then you're going to have to go off and decide what you're going to do with your own brain. But in as, as we look at it, you're not ready to be running your brain by yourself. So yeah, it's painful. When, when a parent is fighting a battle against culture that says screens, 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 you should be allowed to do what you want. And in some cases you should be allowed to identify however you choose or feel or, you know, all of the things that come with the world that we live in today. How do we still build that relational trust, but with good boundaries? Yeah. Well, it is so hard. I think you used to be able to determine whether a parent was a good person based on how their kids were. Yeah. I do not believe that's true because our kids are so impacted, saturated by screens and what's online. Uh, You can be the best parent ever. And then internet kidnaps them almost literally and destroys them. And everything the internet says, um, it says, as parents, we're stupid. Our values are old-fashioned. Uh, nothing that we say really applies to their lives. And so you, I, that's why I think it's so important that you go to a church where um, your kids can enjoy sitting next to you in church because they like who's teaching and preaching. Mm. And, um, you know, some people will fight to the bitter end. I don't want to go to church, whatever. But it makes a difference when it's not an option. You're not staying home and we're all going to church. And uh, when I interact versus observe, and when I engage versus criticize, I'm a, I'm a pretty good parent just in that realm alone because so many people are just so judgmental of their kids and so critical of their kids that their relationship is destroyed. And they're vulnerable to anything then. I think that's uh, that's such a, a wise word. And it, it makes so much sense if I think about it with my younger two versus my oldest one, who's now getting ready to head off to college. We just we just started our, his senior year. And, and the word that God just keeps bringing to my heart is like, it's such a holy lament. Because I'm, I've never been more proud of the young man that he is. And also more sad of the uh, of the change that is coming for me, not for him. He's gonna he's gonna be great, but man, right. I'm gonna miss having that. L- he's not little anymore. He's five ten and is a middle linebacker. But like, <laughs> you know, like I'm just gonna miss having that little guy around. I, what does it mean to love your college student well? Well, I think it means uh, treating your college student the way that particular college student needs to be treated. And 
you know, I, we had two brothers and we were often referred to as the boys. I hated that because I was not them. I was not even close to having values like theirs or anything. What I needed was I needed connection, not with the boys, but with me. And that was very hard for my parents to do, uh, given that my father's father raised five boys and they were very rough. A lot of uh, corporal punishment, a lot of boards on the bottom of a person. And so it, it's really hard to think back on all of that. I was watching um, a movie and I thought, man, that's the way my dad was. Mm. And when you come down to it, that and and he thought he was doing a good job. But it probably if Child Protective Services had heard about it, they probably would have shut me down or something because it. It was really important that I get that information to another person. It was not important that my dad uh, look at it in that way. As we think about uh, transitioning those individual, you know, those college students, treating them the way that they need to be treated, I think one of the major obstacles, at least that I wrestle with, is that he's still really dependent on me, even as a college student for a lot of things. And so it's like he wants to be treated like an adult, but he still needs a lot of my help, right? Yeah. Financially specifically. Like I'm I'm paying all his bills basically and he's got a job in between practices and all the other things that he does and you know, he, he's a great kid, but also how do I how do I help do you have any words of wisdom for for me and for the other dads and moms like me who are who are like I want to let him grow up and be an adult, but also I wish he would respect what I bring to the table more. Yeah. Well, of course, you know that that's what happens is they deconstruct all of our values and reconstruct values that are their own. But I think this word um, perseverance and persistence, another one, are so important in raising kids because uh, maybe they're not coming after you for good things. And maybe you're tired of discovering things, whatever. You know, move. Move the office. Move out of the office. Just have a change. And in that change, make room for your child. Hmm. If they're in town, there's always a desk and a chair. Always a place for them. And then somehow walk past whatever. Engage with them and what they're doing, why they're doing it. And um, I think it's your best chance that they don't pull something on you, that they don't go off with some kind of uh, revenge in their heart and literally destroy what ministry you want to have in in 100 years from now. It's tricky. We've gone to this uh, practice, and I'm not sure where I read it or if I came up with it myself, but it's this idea of, uh, we call them amnesty dinners. And so that once uh, once a month we go to dinner and everything that's said at the dinner is just for informational purposes. There's no uh, that's a good idea. There's no punishment that's revolved around that, and and that has helped open up some of the communication lines around topics that would otherwise be awkward or cause some cause some stress, right? And so the amnesty dinners have been a a huge hit, and, and it's really just me and my son. Um, some of the stuff he wants to talk to me about. He doesn't want his mom present for knowing that I'm going to go back and tell her anyway, but he doesn't want to tell her, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Well, my new book, Am- Amnesty uh, Dinners, uh, <laughs> was a year for me to get it out. But really, that's such a great idea. And really allowing the child to get a bunch of the weight of shame off of their shoulders, knowing that they can talk about it and some, you're going to do something with it other than punish them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty tough. And I, I just congratulate you on Amnesty Dinners. Wrote it down. Well, I'm going to tell you about that. Well, please yeah. do. Please do. It, it, uh, I learned in, when I was in the Army that when you come back from R&R, you get the opportunity to throw any contraband that you have in the amnesty box and not get in trouble. You get one shot, and as long as it's in the amnesty box, by the time you get done with this briefing, you're okay and no punishment to come. So, um, Very you know, you, good. You wrote something in the book that I wanted to drill down on as kind of we wrap up our time together. You said uh, that as parents, we're called to repent of of the idolatry of being a perfect parent. Yeah. And there, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of parents listening right now. I'm hoping you could drill down on that just a bit. Well, first of all, I maybe there's some guy in Arizona who's a perfect parent, but he lives out in the desert. I don't know. You can't achieve that. Yeah. Wasting time on trying to achieve it is something to uh, repent of. And, um, and so I think uh, you, you have to maybe write it out or, or take some time to get ready to write it out. But it's important that we make things right. That's the major concept is as we're going along and we've been recovering for a while, Things are going to happen, and they don't have to mean total relapse. But if you've been unkind, inconsiderate, something like that, then you want to make restitution uh, for that so that you can look everybody in the eye. And that is the thing that's come out of every man's battle. Seeing men do full disclosures, Mm. very, very helpful for them and for their spouses uh, or friends or uh, children. And to be able to humble yourself before the Lord and say, you matter and whatever trouble I get into over here by telling the truth, I need to do it anyway. I mean, that's really what is so beautiful about this whole dilemma. It's so pervasive that you really do need other people to come around you while you're doing it so that you're not getting in trouble or there aren't things being put in place that you don't fully see and you're going to regret it later. So I really believe in people coming alongside of each other in a healthy way. And I believe in uh, seeking out their counsel on certain issues. And the more I do that, then the more they respect me and uh, want what I have. And so that's, that's why I think it's important that we have some clothes at work sometimes to change into, workout gear to change into, you know, I just have stuff that I want to be there and be ready. Um, you know, even when maybe we don't have all the time in the world. I have one more question for you. Uh, but before I ask it, I, where is the best place to, to learn more about these two titles and about understanding and loving, um, as a series, where can we go to get all the information about how God is working in and through you and your co-writers? Well, that's the good news, and that is um, it's in one place, and you can, you know, you can look at it with, at a um, 
books a million, th- that kind of stuff. Or you can just call us at 1-800-NEW-LIFE and we'll get you a copy. Um, or, you know, just uh, anything that you think of you'd buy another book from, buy this one from. Unless you want to make a donation, we'll send it to you. But make sure that you're aware that your expectations of what would happen get shot down. And now you have to go develop some new uh, things that, you know, will be noticed and will be of value. So it's an ongoing process. And uh, but here's the bottom line. If we can do things that are helpful to our kids, connect us to our kids better and honor God in the process, we've we've done something. Yeah. Well, I no doubt in my mind that you've really talked to a lot of parents today and you've really impacted their hearts. And uh, I was hoping that we could end with maybe you praying for the parents who are listening today, the parents who are wrestling with the screen saturation, the parents who are getting ready to send their kids off to college or have kids in college already. If you could just close us in prayer, I would be really grateful. All right. Well, Lord, I just uh, thank you for truth. I thank you that the word of God is alive and it's powerful. And the more we get it into us, the better we are in the world, Lord. And so I pray some people that are hearing this would find healing today. And I pray that in future days that we will find folks who need healing and uh, through a book, a podcast, um, whatever we have, it's going to be something of value to them and it's going to help them. So uh, bless this program, uh, bless all the people that have gone into preparing and I ask and say all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Stephen, thank you so much for coming back on and for what you do to build the kingdom. I truly appreciate the gift of generosity that you give us. Thank you. And you keep up the great work. You're very good at this. And um, you're either uh, like eggs or great. you're a great buller because <laughs> I see these things in the background. I don't know what they're. But anyway, um, you take care and I hope to see you down the line. Hey guys, thank you so much for lasting all the way to the end of the podcast. I deeply appreciate those who have the commitment to finish. I loved Stephen's heart. He's such a good conversationalist. He's got so much wisdom, so much experience. And as someone who's both got a tweener and almost a college student, this conversation really hit home for me. Again, I think the idea of repenting from idolatry of being the perfect parent is something that I will always hold on to from this conversation. We're all just doing the best we can, one day at a time. Well, guys, I'm thankful for you. Thankful that you're a part of this community. As always, if there's anything I can do to connect with you, don't be afraid to hit me up at TWMilt on Instagram, TWMilt.com on my website, or you can check out our coaching business, Follow to Lead Coaching, uh, follow to the number two lead.com. Have a wonderful day, guys, and remember... If you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.